A priest friend of mine calls the Transfiguration the most unepiscopalian event in the Bible. <laughs> it is so over the top, he says, so gaudy, indelicate, and showy. Where was Jesus' sense of Anglican propriety? Indeed, with all its special effects, a dazzling light on a mountain, the appearance of Moses and Elijah, and a booming voice emanating from a bright cloud, the transfiguration of Christ is really the, the Lady Gaga video of the Gospels. Or for the more seasoned among you, the transfiguration is the Busby Berkeley number in the Gospels. For me, what's even more disturbing about this biblical story is that it grabs you by the scruff of the neck and says, Hey, now that you've seen my transfiguration, are you finally going to stop with your low Christology, with your rationalizing my divinity as explainable, with your thinking that my miracles are mere metaphor and start believing that I am the Son of God? Maybe what's most unepiscopalian about this story is that it seems to demand a definitive answer to that question. The Transfiguration will not countenance an Anglican via media, a both-and response. Much like Jesus asked his disciples eight days earlier, this story looks out at us from the pages of the New Testament and asks, Who do you say that I am now? I call this story disturbing, but it's also electrifying because it startles us out of our comfort zone of faith. Even if you already believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you don't have the sort of doubts that sometimes plague folks like me, today's gospel passage might make you uneasy. The Transfiguration is a mystical encounter with the glory of God, the likes of which you don't see much in the gospels, at least not this blatantly. For such encounters, you have to go back to the Old Testament. Shekinah is a Hebrew word whose root means to dwell. And it's translated as the presence of God, the dwelling of God. The Shekinah dwells in the cloud that leads the Israelites through the desert after their escape from Egypt. In today's reading from Exodus, Moses comes down from the mountain after an encounter with the Shekinah, and his face shines with a brilliance that frightens the Israelites. But this Shekinah, this presence of God, is also an unpredictable force, wild, hazardous, like a radiation leak. In the second book of Samuel, when King David and his men transport the Ark of the Covenant with the Shekinah residing therein, on an oxen cart through the mud, it starts to slide off the cart into the mud until a man named Uzzah catches it. But God kills Uzzah on the spot for daring to touch the Ark. And if you remember the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you might recall that the Shekinah that's in the Ark of the Covenant at the climax of the movie, when it's opened up, melts the faces off the Nazis at the end of the movie, once it's been released. The presence of the glory of God is clearly not something that you want to mess with. And so when Peter, James, and John witness this transfiguration of Jesus, they do right to fall to the ground, overcome by fear. 
That dazzling light emanating from Christ is the Shekinah, the glory of God. By definition, it is supernatural, transhistorical, an eternal and unfathomable presence. For us Christians, this story is a reminder of that part of God, of Christ, that is utter mystery. And if we, in our efforts to reason out our faith or to justify God's existence to others, if we try to contain and explain and define that utter mystery, we impede the full vision of God's presence in our lives. When we rationalize the miraculous, we dim the shine of God's glow on our own face. Think of the holy men and women that you have known in your life. They have that spiritual glow on their countenance. It didn't get there by them explaining the mystery of God. It got there through adoration of that mystery. Pull the veil from your face and let your faith shine. Peter, in his confusion and fear, timidly suggests that little dwellings be built that can somehow contain the transfiguration event. Let's put one up for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, Jesus. But the Shekinah will not be domesticated. How many times have you and I done the same thing as Peter? In trying to comprehend the divine, we squeeze God into a tent of faith, a dwelling place that is small enough to fit our faith, to conform to our Western rational mind, to our politics or to our personal spirituality. But a faith that constrains the glory of God is not faith. It is control that risks becoming unbelief. By definition, faith involves the trust and acceptance of mystery. If we comprehend it, it is certainty, not faith. This is a hard lesson to learn because so many of us who suffer need the comfort of a God who will act on our behalf as we see fit. This is a hard lesson to learn because so many of us need to understand something before we can give our hearts fully to it. Think of relationships. In the second half of today's Gospel reading, Jesus and the three apostles descend from the mountain and are met by an agitated crowd. A young boy is possessed by a demon and his father implores Jesus to heal his son because his disciples could not. Coming down from his glory on the mountain, from the miraculous, Christ immediately steps into a scene of deep human need and helplessness and the demonic. After assessing the situation, Jesus casts out the demon from the boy. In a way, the transfiguration makes vivid that central question of the New Testament as asked by Jesus. Who do you say that I am? For some of us, our faith readily proclaims, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the mountaintop version. For others of us, our cry is to Jesus, the compassionate incarnation of God who ministers among the brokenhearted down below the mountain. Of course, Jesus Christ is present in both. In him is the Shekinah, the presence of God who heals the possessed boy down in the valley. And, in the, and the compassion of Jesus is evident up on the mountain when he touches Peter, James, and John saying, get up and do not be afraid. 
That's not in today's version in Luke, but it's in Mark and others. This touch, this get up and do not be afraid, is a far cry from the deadly contact Uzzah had with the ark and the mud when touching the Shekinah cost him his life. The touch of Jesus comforts and assures us. Our task as people of faith is to try to remain open to both aspects of Jesus Christ. The Jesus who speaks to our daily needs and the Christ who embodies transcendence and mystery. The transfiguration grabs us and demands to know, who do you say that I am? But even if this story does not move you to a stronger faith or if you doubt that it even happened, consider this. Those first disciples of Jesus... Those fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, they left everything to follow him. Because despite the obvious humanity that they saw in him, something radiated from his countenance that spoke of ineffable and eternal truth. So if we can take these questions of faith with us on our Lenten journey and sit with them, maybe we might hear a whispered word of insight into our own relationship with Jesus Christ. As Lent comes around again this Ash Wednesday, let us commit to spending more time in the presence of God, storing up that love. Because as I've said so many times from this pulpit, there is a whole world out there desperate for the comfort and the hope that we have found in our faith. And while certain aspects of God will always remain utter mystery that we can never confine or contain, still we might just have little sparkling bits of proof to offer the world of God's presence, shining through our kind eyes and through our bright faces. May it be so. Amen.